Welcome everyone to the Carry On Cast. This is the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, and we are just so grateful that you're here. I am Pastor Megan Torgerson, and I am here with my colleague, Pastor Steve Thomason. Hey, Pastor Steve, we are we are down a pastor today. What? What? Where is that, Pastor Brandon? I know. You know what? I don't know where Pastor Brandon is, and I don't want to know because he's on sabbatical and he is enjoying rest and renewal for the whole summer. So uh, we don't have to listen to his voice for a whole summer. I mean, we don't get to listen to his voice for a whole summer. Oh. We're going to miss that hot dog suit. I tell you. <laughs> So uh, if, friends, if you're familiar with Pastor Brandon's hot dog suit, uh, you should know that he did offer to leave it in my office. So <laughs> there is a possibility that the hot dog suit uh, may be seen yet this summer. Not in weather like this. I don't think a hot dog suit no. in 95 degree heat sounds any good. It might need some size alteration, though. I'm telling you. It's <laughs> well, that's a fair point. I, folks, if you haven't met me in person, you need to know that I'm a good foot shorter than Pastor Brandon. <laughs> Um, so I might be tripping on that hot dog and that just doesn't sound safe. <laughs> oh, the places well, our podcast not, goes. I was going to say, we're not here to talk about hot dogs. We're here to talk <laughs> about texts. Um, now, uh, folks, what we do every week is we just, uh, talk about the upcoming preaching text and things are pretty interesting this week in that we're, we're getting into our sermon series for the summer. Uh, Pastor Steve kicked us off well last week, introducing the series to us. It's called Renewing Worship. And we're talking about the pieces that make up a worship service, what they mean, why they're there, how they get used, and hopefully, folks, hopefully to get us thinking about what they might mean for us in this uh, new, on our way out of COVID era, now that we can really take a, a good and discerning look at why we do what we do and think about what we want to come along with us, what we want to change, and what we want to leave behind. I think it's a really exciting and, and unique opportunity for us as a worshiping community. So we're just going to take a step back and look at all these pieces. And Pastor Steve, I got to say thanks. You set us up for, for looking at worship as something just so exuberant and, and rejoicing and shouting. And um, this week we're talking about confession and forgiveness, <laughs> which is... This is, the, this is the second part of the sermon last week where we fall on our face in front of the Almighty. Uh, <laughs> so we start there. <laughs> that's, and that's exactly the point, is that we do start with confession and forgiveness. Before we even get to that, my goodness, let's back it all the way up. Let's talk about the text for the day. Uh, the text for our Sunday service is going to be from the book of 1 John, which is one of those little books towards the end. And fun fact, one of my most favorite books of the Bible. So it's from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So a nice terse little reading. And if you are a, a, a church liturgy aficionado, the language will be familiar to you. So get ready for that. Pastor Steve, would you read the lesson for us? You betcha. Yeah, the, the tricky part is we were talking before we hit record. The tricky part about doing a topical series is that you, you're preaching about a topic, confession, forgiveness, and worship, but you also want to choose a text. And so this text is not necessarily talking about the liturgical element of confession and forgiveness in worship, but it is talking about forgiveness. So let me give a little bit of context. It's the second paragraph of the beginning of a letter 
um, where John, most traditions believe this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John and uh, who was a dear friend of Jesus, the beloved disciple. And uh, here's what it says in verse 5. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So it's, I'll confess, I'll confess. <laughs> that is, you're reading that part. I instinctively, my, my brain just goes right to leading that opening part of worship in a traditional service, because I, as a, as a pastor leading liturgy, will stand in front of a congregation and inform them. But if we say we have no sin, we're deceive ourselves and the truth is, is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I mean, we've lifted that language right out of this particular passage in the way that that liturgy is used right from our hymnal. So some of that language might be familiar or evocative to you. Um, but but before we talk about, you know, how this text got used, um, let's talk about the text a little bit first. I think one of the things that's really beautiful about it is that it, it talks about forgiveness as, as part of a, a community event, right? That part of why we confess our sin is, is not to say um, so much personally, like I need to be made right or clean, but to say that we are in fellowship with God and with each other. And so we confess and are honest about the ways that we have fallen short so that we might be in right relationship it within ourselves. Yeah. But more importantly with God and with each other, uh, which I think it, it puts confession in sort of a different light. I think we're so used to hearing confession as a very personal thing. Like I need to reveal the ways I've messed up so that I can be made right just for me. And there's some of that, I'd argue. Yeah, I mean, I think you personally, in, in your faith and in, and in your walk with God, I think that's important. Um, but it's it's for something, right? It's not just for your own being made pure. It's so that you can be in, in right relationship with God and with the rest of the community. That's where the value really is. Yeah, absolutely. This is such an interesting passage, Um I want to just play around with the metaphors for a second. You do because it's yeah. it's it's deep. Yeah. So John is using this metaphor and saying that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And so when I think about light and dark, first of all, darkness is not a something. Darkness is the absence of light, right? So that's just an interesting thing to think about. Like light and dark are not in a battle against each other. Right. Uh, light is a something and darkness is a nothing. Um, but then it says, if we say 
that we are in fellowship while walking in darkness. And so I just have this image of a whole bunch of people in a room with their eyes closed because that would be darkness, mm. right? Saying, but pretending like their eyes are open and like they can see what's going on and then just bumping into each other <laughs> all over the place because that's what happens. If if we think, or or let's let's say it this way, let's say you are in like a dark cave where there aren't there isn't any light, but you're pretending like there is light and you're doing life like you can actually see everything around you. Oh man, that's just the recipe for disaster. You could reach out and grab a the wrong end of a knife. You could fall, you know, walk down a flight of steps. You could you could do a lot of damage to yourself and to everyone around you. And that, but then he says, but if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So it's like, open your eyes and see, oh, <laughs> there's other people in the room. <laughs> I can, I can actually see you. And then the other, the other piece of it is that what, what light does is it exposes truth. When things come into the light, I'm air quoting, into the light, what that does is it shows us, it exposes to us what that thing is. So like in the darkness, you can't really tell what a thing is when it's dark. You can maybe hear it, you can touch it and feel it, but then all of a sudden you shine a light on it and you're like, oh, I thought it was petting the dog, but it's actually a skunk. <laughs> I think you found out a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's just like this beautiful picture of, okay, Light and dark isn't about condemnation or you know, it, it's about truth telling. It's yeah. It's what I love is that because he leads with God is light, right? So it is saying God is radiance itself. So, and, and in God, there is no darkness at all. This isn't, I know uh, I have lots of colleagues who are very attentive to light and dark language in biblical passages because they want to be really careful to talk about, we're not talking about white and black, like God right. is white and in God, there is no blackness at all. Be really careful about those potentially uh, racist misreadings of what's going on here. So I want to, you know, be vocal about that. That's when it says that God is light and in God, there is no darkness. This isn't making any talking, kind of, we're talking photons from the sun people. Yeah. I mean, literally, <laughs> if you look at the Greek, it's that it's the word from which photons comes. Yeah. It's God is, is luminosity. God is radiance. God is, God is sitting out under that sun in that 95 degree heat when the sun is right over you and nothing even has a shadow anymore because the sun is right there. That is what God is. And so if you're working in that metaphor, and that is what God is, how to know that you are in fellowship with God, how to know that you are walking in, in God's light, literally in God's light, is to say, am I in the dark? Like, am I in shadow? Can I see where I'm going? And to be honest about that, if you realize that you are in darkness, like you are, you have been obscured, you are under the tree, you are in the cave, you are out of God's light, you cannot possibly be in fellowship with God because you can't be illuminated by this radiance. You can't see where you're going. You can't, like Pastor Steve said, see your fellow community members and know where they are. And am I hurting them or no? You have to be honest. You can't lie and say, I see where I'm going. 
but you can't because you're in, you're in darkness. You have been obscured. And so when we confess our sins, when we, when we admit that we have messed up and we've let ourselves into the cave, then we can find our way back out of the cave and return to being in, in God's light and yeah. see where we're going and seeing what we're doing. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I want to add something that, cause we can, we can get caught up in, okay, so what is darkness then? Right. Right. And so if we go down, if we keep reading John's letter and you look at verse nine, he makes it very, very clear what he's talking about here. Uh, it says in verse nine, whoever says I am in the light while hating a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Yeah. And for John, who we talk about is the apostle of love, right? The beloved, and because he's the one who's, who really emphasizes not only the metaphor of light, which is the truth, but also that what that the truth and light of God is love for your neighbor. Like that's it. God right. is love and the light of God is love. And if you're not loving your neighbor, then you are in the darkness. Period. Like that's yep. it yep. for John. Yep. 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 This yeah, isn't I mean, about this isn't about like a laundry list of do's and don'ts and a personal piety of, I, you know, I grew up in a world where it's like, if you, you don't go to the movies, you don't drink, you don't play with cards, you don't dance. And then if you can check off all of those things, cause that's darkness, then you're a good light filled person. None of that matters to John. What matters to John is, do you love your, your neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, that's and, and it's, it's say a, I'm in the cult. light, like oh I'm a Jesus. Oh person. yes, I don't and drink, you and smoke, hate, or hang with girls or do. Yeah, but then you hate that person. Yeah, who you consider in the darkness. Then we go back to our main to our text. You have deceived yourself. The truth is not in you. Yeah, and so, I and and I don't know a single person who doesn't wrestle with this on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the thing about starting a service with corporate confession and forgiveness is because it leads us into a place where we're, it, we're tempted to think, like you said, personal piety. What are the moral codes that I have personally broken that, that I can just kind of laundry list and say, okay, good. Like I'm clear now I can start again. When, when John actually makes it way more complicated, it's not just about saying, did you check off the list, these certain behaviors? It's saying, did you love your neighbor? Did you look at those other beloveds around you and treat them with the same love and compassion and grace that God shows you? Because I, friends, I'm real sorry. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the answer was no, because we're human and it's hard. And that is part of why we continually come back to worship week after week to hear, guess what? You messed it up, but guess what? God is still for you and still grants you forgiveness and still wants you and still cares about you and is going to give you what you need today, That that both that challenge and that comfort. So you can go back this week and try it all over again. Um, we need we need to hear that. We we need that constant reminder. And and that's part of what's going on here in First John is this reminder yeah. that you got to hear the truth. And I do want to put a caveat in that. That yes, when we're reading First John, when we're reading any of the letters, we have to remember that we're not reading a theological document about the fullness of what is confession and what is sin. These letters are written for a particular occasion and they're addressing a particular issue. 
And so the real issue that was happening in these first churches was what we talked about for the last few months of this ethnic tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. And John is also talking about these things. And he's talking about, he's saying, look, so, so that's why I think John really puts this in the forefront. He's like, look, everybody, <laughs> if you're not loving each other, that's where we start. All the other things we can debate about, but if you're not loving each other, um, we've completely missed the mark at the beginning. Because um, then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And he talks about the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches. I mean, there's, there is sin more than just not loving your brother. But if you don't start with <laughs> love for neighbor, then the rest is moot. Yeah, you're stumbling around in a cave. Like yeah. you got to get out of the cave first. And, yeah. and now <laughs> let's talk about the details. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, and, it's, and speaking of details, I feel like I got to speak of the details that if we're talking about a liturgical event, that is to say something that is, you know, baked into uh, the rhythm of worship, and we're talking about confession and forgiveness, depending on what service you are accustomed to, friends, depending on, you know, uh, if, if you go to worship at Easter, or maybe you tend to worship someplace else, as this is a podcast open to anyone, hey, um, look, you might not have ever experienced confession and forgiveness in the context of a service. You might have uh, experienced it as one of the first things we do in worship as a very formal and ritualized act with language right out of a hymnal. You might have experienced it as something uh, kind of small, kind of slipped into the end of prayers, transitioning into communion. I mean, there's lots of ways you might have experienced the, the corporate, that is, the, you know, the public, the communal event of confession and forgiveness, um, or possibly even not at all, or maybe you were a part of it and you didn't realize that that's what you're doing. Um, that's okay. Right. I mean, I think it's okay. Don't, don't listen to this podcast or to the sermon on Sunday and go, Oh my gosh, I have no, no idea what they're talking about. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. What's going on. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It, what's important I think is to remember that this is a part of a worship series, uh, worship service for a reason. So even if it's not always there, often there, I think because it is there in many versions of a worship service, I think we need to spend some time talking about it and thinking, how do we want it to look? How do we want it to sound? How do we want it to work in our worship series? Uh, I keep saying series when I mean service, in our worship services in the future. I think that's an important question to ask and a and, uh, thing to contemplate. Yeah. You know, I grew up, the, those of you who know me, know I grew up in a non-liturgical culture. And so um, confession and forgiveness as a corporate activity was never part of my religious DNA. Uh, confession was a very private thing that you did because, you know, I grew up in more of a personal piety kind of tradition. And so when I came into the Lutheran church and ex was experiencing liturgy for the first time, this corporate act of confession and forgiveness, I found really, really nice because, um, because it is something that we are doing together. And, and again, that's the key of worship is we're doing all of these things together and publicly confessing and being reminded now with a Lutheran lens, being reminded that we have been forgiven, that this isn't us 
begging that God would forgive us and appease, you know, some kind of a God who holds a ledger book over our head, but just the fact that we need to step back into the truth that we have been forgiven and set free, th free through Jesus Christ. Um, and during the week, we probably forgot and, and lost our way a little bit. And we need to get re-centered on the good news and, and re-establish and, and confess the truth. Like, I'm not a perfect. I'm a saint and a sinner, all mixed in one bag. And it's by the grace of God that I have what I have. Um, now, on the flip side... If you grew up with that, it can become like blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. These are the words we say at this time. Yeah. And so, and that's, you know, like the tradition I grew up in, they abandoned liturgy because it had been millennia, you know, centuries of that. But then we lost it. And so it, it just every time we come to worship, remember what we're doing. And if you allow the liturgy to have meaning, it's powerfully meaningful. But if yeah. you're just there with the wrong mindset, it'll just be like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is the challenge of worship almost in any setting, whether sure. whether liturgical or non-liturgical. It's really easy to get yourself in the frame of mind of, well, this is just what we do. This is what always happens here. But, but the, the challenge and invitation of worship is to engage with each piece of it in such a way that you remind yourself that, that this is a, a community act of engagement with the holiness that is God. And so if you just get in yourself in the place of saying, oh, this is the place where I feel bad about myself because I have to say sin like seven times. Yeah, it is It is going to be kind of meaningless to you. Um, and so the, it's always the the challenge on us as, as worshipers to, to truly engage with this week after week, which means it can be work and also means admitting that there are some weeks where you are going to kind of feel like, meh, meh, meh. like the, those weeks happen even to pastors where we the words just don't ring for us. And so we take a breath and we come back and we do it again because this is the joy of a worship cycle and the invitation of being a worshiping community that some people can hold those words and those truths and those promises even when we ourselves can't quite get there. So that's that's why we're doing this work together, friends, and I'm glad to be doing it with you here at Easter Lutheran Church uh, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry, carry on. on the work of Jesus Christ. Thanks, everybody. Thank mm -hmm. you.